Are you a woman age 21 and above who wants to take charge of your health? Then drop by any SOG Health Clinic and arrange for a cervical cancer screening today. Or thanks to Camtech Health's HPV self-sampling kits, you can collect your own sample in the comfort and privacy of your home for the first time ever in Singapore. Have questions? Don't worry. SOG and Camtech Health's dedicated and reliable team of professionals are here to help. Book an appointment today at SOG.com.sg or visit Camtech Health's website for more info. Health Matters with StarMed Specialist Centre, making healthcare simple. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. It's Health Matters right here on CNA 938. I'm Daniel Martin. Welcome into the show, everybody. World Sleep Day happens on Friday, 18th March. And for years, I've been talking about the importance of understanding how, you know what, we should not be thinking of sleep as just an unimportant facet of our life. It impacts our health. And more and more research is showing that over and over again. From your cardiovascular health, to your mood, to your mental health, to brain development, everything is regulated, modulated, affected by the quality and quantity of sleep that you're getting. Now, there are many sleep disorders that I've talked to you about over the years as well. In today's edition, we're zooming back into one that can be, you know, seemingly innocuous. You think it's no big deal. You think it's just snoring. But at the end of the day, what's happening is when sleep apnea happens, you could even be stopping of breathing while you're sleeping. Did you realize that? It seems quite terrifying. Okay. Why are we so blasé and laissez-faire about our sleep health? We're learning more about that today. My guest on the program is Dr. Pandya Gavi, who is an internist and a sleep physician from StarMed Specialist Centre. Doc, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having me on air. And very good afternoon to all listeners. Uh, So sleep is an important pillar of health. Uh, We all know that we humans spend one third of our life in sleep. And we take it as a natural behavior. But sometimes we take it granted as well. So sleep is for the brain, by the brain, and is essential for brain function. If a car runs continuously, it gets exhausted. And it has to be rested and repaired before we use again. Mm. Similarly, and after entire day work, our body and the internal organ gets tired. So sleep helps them to rest. Uh, as well as revitalize through restorative function. Sleep also helps to remove waste product from the brain and it also helps in learning and memory. Mm. So inadequate sleep quantity and quality can lead to many medical problems. That's what we don't realize, I think. That's what so many of us, I've, I've heard so many people almost brag and boast, I only need four hours sleep. I don't need that much. But when you list out all the, 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 the functions that are happening, these important functions that are happening during sleep, when somebody is getting three, four, five hours, does that mean that they're missing out on all these functions that are happening? Yes, you are absolutely right. An adult need every seven to eight hours of sleep. And uh, if they don't get enough quality or quantity of sleep, it can increase the risk for overweight obesity, diabetes, heart problems, mental health issues such as anxiety or low mood. Uh, it can also lead to some of the neurological condition. Mm. Uh, it's a, one of the risk factors. Sleep apnea is a, one of the risk factors for the stroke. Uh, it can also, inadequate sleep can increase the 
uh, risk for dementia or Parkinson's disease. So it's very important. My gosh. And it's not just about quantity of sleep. It's about quality of sleep. And we'll talk about that as well. But let's talk about the quantity one because I think a lot of people, this is this is like one of those questions like how many glasses of water do I need uh, in a day? It's the same thing. A lot of people like don't have a specific answer. But when it comes to number of hours of sleep I should be getting every night, is it very contentious? Are there wrong answers? Are there right answers? What's the, what's the medical understanding of it? So, as I say, it's an average around seven to eight hours of sleep, mm. but less than six and a half hours or more than nine hours. So, less than six and a half hours considered inadequate sleep hours and more than nine hours are considered a lot of sleep okay, hours. Okay, you can't sleep too much either. Yes. Cannot. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. But that number, seven to eight on average, um, I, I've heard some people say that as they get older, they need less sleep. Or when they're younger, they need less sleep. Does Is it age-dependent? Yes. So you're absolutely right. Children need more hours of sleep ah. compared to an adult. And as we grow older, a little bit reduction in our sleep hours, sometimes it's go, ar- go around six hours. Okay. So what's happening? See, I, I know so many of my listeners, right? Are you getting seven to eight hours or not? Like, are you there? WhatsApp me and tell me at 963-11938. How many hours of sleep are you getting? And, and, and let us know how old you are as well, if you're comfortable. And then, you know, we'll just talk about, I would love to know what's the average of my listeners, let's say. I will say I'm quite lucky. Um, I, I, I do manage to get my eight hours of sleep a night. I'm very diligent about that. But I do notice that the quality of the sleep is not always there. So even though it's eight hours... Uh, I may not feel well rested or uh, I may feel, I don't know. Are there symptoms that you know that you know that you haven't been getting good quality sleep? For me, I just, I'm a very, I got oily skin. Uh, so when I get oily skin and sebum production is happening, I've been told by doctors that means, oh, your sleep is not very restful and things like that. Are there things that we can look for? Yes. So there are many sleep disorders which disturb the quality of sleep. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it depends which uh, type of sleep disorders. There are a wide variety of sleep disorders. But some disorders, they just disturb the sleep and cause the sleep fragmentation. So even though you are sleeping, but your sleep hours are actually lesser than what you are sleeping. And the sleep, some sleep conditions such as obstructive sleep apnea, also known as OS or sleep apnea, mm. uh, in which there is oxygen level going down uh, causing a lot of internal organ function even harder than the usual in the daytime. And also, same time, it also disturbs the sleep and wakes up the brain few times. Mm. So that part, you are not aware. Yeah. Yeah, and it's only happening Your partner might sleep. be aware. Somebody sleeping next to you might notice you yes. jolting awake, right? Yes, so correct. So as you say, snoring is one of the common symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, other symptoms can be choking episode or gasping for air uh, or uh, partner observe them that he's not breathing for a while then starting again uh, that's terrifying yes then some of the people uh, feel like unrefreshed sleep next day morning correct uh, some people feel daytime sleepiness or tiredness uh, some has increased frequency of urination during night time some has morning headache and some has dry mouth or throat wow again that could be linked to the snoring that's happening is it yeah. Okay, if any of those symptoms sound familiar to you, you might be at risk for something like sleep apnea. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But let's talk about, here's the thing, you've already explained how if you're not getting enough sleep, it's increasing all those risks from everything from obesity to metabolic syndrome to cardiovascular diseases. It's so widespread. We we have the information, we have the knowledge, we have the research. And yet, do you find that many of us, the layperson, we do treat sleep a little bit lightly, 
Yes. We don't value sleep as a health factor. Yeah, you are absolutely right. So we take it granted. Why? I so don't understand. I like to sleep, but somehow, like you know, it's just it doesn't seem like a health issue. Uh, I guess uh, some of them has no awareness yeah. or lack of knowledge. Uh, some of them may be aware, but they are just uh, prioritizing their personal uh, time or socialization over the sleep. So it may be few things which is contributing to that. True. Very true indeed. Um, especially a lot of people will talk about, you know, their work-life situation. They finish work very late. They get home. They spend time with the kids, watch a bit of TV, do some housework. Boom, before you know it, it's past midnight. You know, that kind of thing. Then you have to wake up at six o'clock and do it all over again. So we're going to zoom in, like I said, on sleep apnea. Why is this? I mean, there is a wide range of sleep disorders, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we zooming in on something like a sleep apnea over things like, I don't know, insomnia or, or other things as well? Okay. So sleep apnea is one of the most common sleep disorders. That's why we are zooming into the obstructive sleep apnea. Mm. And what are some of the other main ones that you see all the time? I'm curious. Okay. Uh, so insomnia, yeah. as you say. Uh, That's then, a tough one to talk about there because yeah. it's very psychosocial in nature. Yes. Then also uh, parasomnia or circadian rhythm disorders, uh, some moment disorders. So there are a wide variety of range. What's parasomnia? Parasomnia is an abnormal movement or behavior during sleep. Abnormal movement or behavior. Is this like sleepwalking? Yes. <gasps> it's part of it. I sleepwalked during army. I don't know why. Like during army days, I would sleepwalk. That was so interesting. Uh, thankfully, I didn't get um, hurt by that one. So OSA, obstructive sleep apnea, probably the most common. Would you say very undiagnosed as well? Underdiagnosed? Yes. So around um, uh, one third, like three out of 10 Singaporeans has moderate to severe sleep apnea. And if an individual has chronic disease such as diabetes, high blood pressure or heart problem, kidney problem or stroke, the prevalence is even more than 50%. But it is underdiagnosed, as you say. That's high. Yes. Half our population after a certain age might be having sleep apnea, probably has sleep apnea and, and it's undiagnosed. Yeah. Does that mean that in half our population, that risk of cardiovascular disease, of... Uh, of chronic degenerative brain disorders, it's all there. It's all raised. Yeah. Oh, no, this is worrying. Okay, okay. So what can we do about it? Before we start talking about treatment and management and diagnoses, help me understand. Tell my listeners exactly what is meant by the term OSA, obstructive sleep apnea. Okay. So obstructive sleep apnea happens when there is a recurrent episodes of complete or partial obstruction of upper airway mm -hmm. during sleep. Mm. Some people might stop breathing for a while, transiently during these episodes, and it leads to drop in oxygen level, and also the recurrent waking of her brain, which causes the sleep disturbances. Mm. So that's OSA. Coming up, we're going to learn what we can do about it and how to manage it. You know, it's so interesting. I've got a couple of SMSs and WhatsApps coming through. Doc. I want to address them. I wanted to gauge and see how many hours my listeners are getting. This is quite interesting as well. But I promise to tell them how many hours of sleep I get. So I get seven and a half to eight hours, but I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. But tell me if you think this is wrong as well. So the only way I'm able to clock it is I sleep at midnight, which is very late, which is not good. But I'm able to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, which is very luxurious. I understand. I've got a luxurious morning uh, wake-up time as well. No kids. Hello. Um, so, but I've heard from some doctors as well that the time you go to sleep is very important and that there's a specific window of healing or recovery that happens and stuff like that. Is there any truth to that? 
ideal sleep time should be between 10 to 11 pm really yeah, yeah. and the wake up time should be before sunrise hmm. because we have internal clock we call it circadian rhythm yeah and uh, it try to match with the day night cycle nature's day night cycle so if it clashes with the nature cycle sometimes the metabolism Uh, might get affected mm. so that's why it's better to wake up before sunrise ah and, and is there any truth to like the the time that you sleep also coincides to i don't know certain, certain healing cycles in the body or something like that like 10 pm and 11 pm and that kind of stuff no i don't think so i don't think so either but, but okay 10 to 11 pm i don't know if i could do that man 10 to 11 pm oh Okay, here's what my listeners are getting and this is worrying. I've had at least three listeners message across saying that they get on average 5 to 6 hours, this person says, 5 to 6 hours and I'm in my 40s, this person says, and this person says 6 hours every night and it does feel like it's enough for me. I am in my 30s. Okay, so at least three or four people talking about that. Five to six six hours of sleep. Uh, another WhatsApp says uni students in halls have unspoken protocol to sleep after midnight. When you're a teenager, when you're in school, when you're in university, I can understand why that is happening, but that can set a bad precedent, I think, going forward as well. So bad sleep patterns from young can they carry on into bad sleep patterns as an adult as well? Is that a problem? Uh, if an individual is very conscious and try to change it, mm. then it may not. But if it is like uh, ignored or just carry forward then possible sleep debt is that something that is real some people talk about like if you i'm only getting five hours of sleep a night mm-hmm. during the week but then on the weekend i'll sleep more and then i'll earn back all those hours that i lost is there any truth to this idea of sleep debt okay so uh, we have four stages of sleep and one of the stages is uh, deep sleep is called stage 3 sleep and if you don't get it enough then it rebounds mm. so whenever you have time you may try to recover it mm. so we call it rebound mm. uh, and um, ideally it should be the same sleep wake time because if we can you recover your sleep but sometimes again you go to uh, bed late in the weekday uh, weekend sorry and then you wake up early mm. monday mm. then again your cycle for the Uh, less hours of sleep will go on for five or six days. Yeah. So try to avoid that and have the same sleep time and the wake up time. Is it, is it, so if you ideally Monday to Sunday, same sleep time and wake up time and that'll be the best scenario. But if you do get less sleep one day, you can try and make up for yeah. it the next day. Yeah. That's it. But don't make up for it five days later. On the weekend. Yeah. Okay, so so my, my sleep pattern is that I'm, I'm glad because I do the 12 p.m. and 8 a.m. wake up um, Monday to Sunday. That's my standard. But again, like Dr. said, I should be sleeping at 11 o'clock. Uh, Graham WhatsApp the cross and says, Hi there, Daniel and Doc. Given that we enter alpha and theta levels during sleep, is there long-term detrimental effect on our health uh, cell reparation if this is constantly denied? Okay, I think, you know, cell regeneration and things like that. If we're denying the idea that we're entering into these different stages, are we doing damage? Yeah, because each stage of sleep has a different function. So it, Uh, that function will get affected mm. if you don't get the enough uh, time for that particular stage of sleep. So which one is the deep sleep stage again? Uh, it's stage three. Stage three. So if you've got something like obstructive sleep apnea, coming back to our main topic as well, it might be preventing you from getting into that stage, is it? Uh, yeah, so you may go into that stage and if your oxygen level falls down, again, your brain will wake up uh, to survive your internal organ. Mm-hmm. So what happens actually in obstructive sleep apnea? So your upper airway um, are made up of muscle. So um, 
sleep is a resting stage where all muscle will relax. So your upper airway muscles will also relax when you go to sleep. Mm. Then tongue is also muscle, so it will fall back to rest. When you are overweight or we have a crowding of soft tissue or the bony tissue over the upper airway, the upper airway is already narrow. And when that happens, it will make it narrow. Ah. So airflow is limited. Yeah. So once airflow is limited, oxygen level fall down. So body will start uh, internal organ start working harder, heart will start pumping harder and harder, which it, it will release special chemical and tell brain to wake up. So when the brain wake up, brain tell the muscle, okay, you start contracting. So the, when the muscle start contracting, the oxygen level become normal, uh, and then again you fall in sleep. Yeah. So when the brain wake up, that wake up is different than what you are fully awake now. Only sometimes you fully wake up like what you are fully awake in the daytime. Yeah. So when the brain disturb the rhythm, you will come out of that stage of sleep and you will start again with the stage one stage two. So no wonder some of these individuals will say, I'm getting the seven hours one. I'm clocking eight hours because they're going to bed at this time, they're waking up this time. But all of this might be happening and mm. that's why the unrestful feeling happens. Yes. A lot of questions coming in about insomnia. It seems like I need to do an interview on that one day as well. Lots of people asking about insomnia. Okay, we will address that on Health Matters very soon. But doc, let's talk about diagnosing OSA, obstructive sleep apnea. How's the diagnosis done? Is it as simple as taking a basic test? Blood test? Can, cannot. No, cannot. So <laughs> usually obstructive sleep apnea is diagnosed by sleep study. And there are four different types of sleep studies depending on the which part of your uh, which part of the body we are monitoring. So stage one is considered gold standard and it's, it is also known as polysomnography. So where there are multiple wires on the brain, on the uh, chin as well as leg, hands and on the chest and tummy. So we monitor the different brain waves for the brain stages. Also we monitor heart rate, oxygen level and um, chin and the leg movements as well. Uh, along with that we also uh, monitor the breathing movements. Uh, so that's um, stage one. So that's done in the clinic? It has to be uh, done? Right? No. So stage one, if it is under video recording, under supervision, then yes, it is in the sleep laboratory. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and after doing the sleep study, uh, we have the experienced sleep technician as Starmer, so which will go through each 30-second data of your sleep. Wow. Then we will uh, score it and come up with the graph. So after that, we analyze the Starmer and come up with the proper reporting. Okay, okay. Is there a take-home option? Can I do this at home? Because I wonder yes. whether sleeping in a lab might affect my sleep as well. Correct. Right? So you can do at the uh, home as well. And there are three different types uh, of sleep studies can be done at home. Mm. Yeah. So if you just want to check your oxygen level and heart rate, can be done at home as well. Okay. And after we get the diagnosis, what do we do then? Can, the, can we treat OSA? It all depends on the root cause, I guess, huh? Uh, yes. Because for some people, I heard it might have to do with, like, you know, an ENT issue that they can surgically correct and that could help with the OSA. Is there any truth to stuff like that? Okay. So, um, the main treatment for the OSA or the first line treatment, we call it auto-continuous positive airway pressure. The CPAP, machine. A CPAP machine. You have yes. to pump air. Yes, pump air. Open yeah. the airwaves. Correct. To open the airway. Uh, but uh, surgery and dental devices are available, which are only effective for selected cases. Okay. Yeah, so CPAP is the most effective treatment. CPAP has come a long way though, hasn't it? It used to yeah. be, I remember when, I've done this show for 16 years now, and I remember 16 years ago, the machine looked like a whole cabinet next to the bed with this like huge wire, uh, uh, tube coming to your mouth. It, that in itself, some people said was uncomfortable as well to wear that and it was counterproductive. CPAP's today a lot more sleeker. Yeah, small, smaller size. Yeah? Yeah. Still effective? Yes, still effective. Mm. 
Which, and do you have to wear it every night? Yes. Your body doesn't get trained or recover. No, it does not. So, uh, like, obstructive sleep apnea is a chronic condition, and it's like diabetes, high blood pressure. You take medication every day. Mm. Similar the o- OSA, you have to use the machine every day during sleep only. Okay, the body doesn't recover or improve in that no. sense. So because it's the mechanical obstruction happening, yeah, and the machine is helping you to get uh, that obstruction away. If you're on the CPAP machine, are you going to be constantly monitored by your doctor yes. as well? What are you measuring? What are you looking for? So in the CPAP machine, there is memory stick, which captures the data, ah. how they are doing with the machine, yes. So before appointment uh, with a sleep physician, we ask them to get that data mm. uh, from the vendor. And vendor will have print out the data and you will go through that data and tell them, okay, this is your report. This is good. This is not good. How can we get better? We can see measurable improvements potentially? Yes. yes. Wow. Okay, so that's the thing. Come back and talk to us about insomnia one day. I think there are so many questions about insomnia. My gosh, a lot of my listeners affected by it. Doctor, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. My guest on the program, Dr. Pandya Garvey, who's an internist and sleep physician at StarMed Specialist Center. I'm Daniel Martin. Get a good night's sleep, everybody, and see your doctor if you think you have OSA or signs and symptoms of it. You're doing your long-term health a favor, everything from your cardiovascular health to your brain health and more. Health Matters with StarMed Specialist Center, making healthcare simple. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional. Are you a woman aged 21 and above who wants to take charge of your health? Then drop by any SOG Health Clinic and arrange for a cervical cancer screening today. Or thanks to Camtech Health's HPV self-sampling kits, you can collect your own sample in the comfort and privacy of your home for the first time ever in Singapore. Have questions? Don't worry. SOG and Camtech Health's dedicated and reliable team of professionals are here to help. Book an appointment today at sog.com.sg or visit Camtech Health's website for more info.